I think it's really important, again, to always think about where are your viewers, where are the people who are going to watch this, your followers, people are going to come across this on social media, where are they at and, and what are they thinking so that you know best what kind of video to put in front of them? You know it. Every social media platform is a video platform. So when you're putting your heart and soul and your time and effort and creativity into creating a piece of video content that you're proud of, the last thing you want to be doing is simply uploading it to one video channel and leaving it there. So in this episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, we're going to be exploring how to repurpose video content effectively across different video channels in the right way so that you can maximize the impact, reach, engagement, and ability for your video content to move your audience to action. Here we go. This is the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, helping you engage your ideal audience to action through online video. I'll be bringing you the absolute best in the world of video marketing, content creation, storytelling, and marketing strategy, as together we grow to dominate online video and build profitable businesses. I'm your host, Ben Amos. Now let's get on with the show. Well, good day, my friend, and welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 157 of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast, and I am your host, Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing. How are you doing today? Hope you're doing well wherever you are and looking forward to some more video marketing goodness in your eardrums, because that's what I'm going to bring to you. In fact, my guest today is someone who I've been wanting to have on the show for a little while because I'm really interested in his specialty, his point of difference, his expertise in repurposing video content. But before we get into the interview and I introduce our guest today, I just wanna welcome you here. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I wanna say thank you for joining me. And also I would love you to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any new episodes as they come out. I'd also love to hear from you and hear what you get out of this episode. I love having conversations with listeners to this podcast. So reach out to me, connect with me on LinkedIn, DM me on Instagram at engage underscore Ben or send me an email podcast at engagevideomarketing.com. I seriously appreciate you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast and get some education around the world of video marketing that I'm so passionate about. All right, let me introduce to you my guest today. Daniel Patrick Norton is a video editing expert who helps entrepreneurs save time and reach more people by repurposing their live stream videos into bite-sized clips for social media. And he's built a team around him that helps people do this. Now, Daniel recently actually left his role as a video editor with Disney. So he's able to focus now full-time on his entrepreneurial journey as he helps more and more people be more effective with their video content marketing. And he is really deep in the world of repurposing video content across different social platforms. And that is what we're gonna dive into today. So in today's episode, we're going to explore why you're potentially letting yourself down by simply creating content for one channel and just putting it in one place. But we're going to unpack the nuances of actually repurposing video content, re-editing it in different ways so that it suits the native language of different social media platforms and reaches new audiences in new ways, in the ways that they want to be reached on those platforms. 
We're going to talk about some of the specifics, the technical specifics of editing for different platforms. And we're going to explore how as an entrepreneur or a marketer or as a content creator, you can help guide your video editor or video editing team to achieve the right results for you without really needing to understand how video editing is done itself. So if you're creating any kind of video content, for use in your marketing, then this is the episode for you because at the end of today's episode, you're going to be much clearer on how you can capitalize on that amazing piece of content that you've created and use it in more ways than you probably think in order to get maximum eyeballs, maximum reach, maximum engagement on your message that you wanna share with the world. All right, without further ado, let's jump into my chat with Dan Norton. Here we go. Dan, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be on. Yeah, it's um, it's awesome to have you on, my friend, and I'm looking forward to getting into our conversation because, you know, as fellow video producers and video editors, I'm sure we've got a lot to talk about. Um, but I yeah. do want to bring you on today to to share your your expertise specific, specifically around repurposing video, which I think will be super valuable for the listeners of the show. But before we get into that, tell us who is. Daniel Patrick Norton, and uh, and what's your story? What led you into what you do with video today? Uh, well, well, my background is in is it video production. I went to film school. Actually, went to two, and uh, I started my first real job was for Major League Baseball, working in live stream broadcast while I was still in my my second school, School of Visual Arts, and uh, there, you know, I've, my focus was video editing. I've always loved video editing as opposed to production, going out and doing all of that work. And uh, so I started up in production, in a broadcast. And one of my first jobs was repurposing highlights from games, real time highlight games. And uh, it was way back in 2009. It's crazy how much time has gone. Uh, but I've always had this dream to want to have my own business. You know, 10 years, 10, 15 years ago, it was a little, a little bit different to really conceive what that would look like. Uh, but you know, here we are now, 2020, and uh, I'm being able to kind of go back to my roots with repurposing. And I help entrepreneurs repurpose their video uh, into bite-sized pieces of video for social media. Yeah, awesome. So you use this term repurpose. Um, I just want to clarify for you, what do you call repurposing video content? What does that mean? Well, I always look at it as there's, you have a core video. So wherever your core video goes out, whether that's a YouTube video uh, or a Facebook live, or let's say LinkedIn live, that tends to be a lot too, of this core video, whatever that is. From that video, you can create a whole number of different assets, uh, but repurposing, I like to look at it as effective repurposing. Cause I think some people can get overboard with repurposing and say, oh, there's so many things, but what's the most effective way to do it? So it's looking at this one core piece of video. And then from there, what can be pulled out to make other video that can, or other pieces of content that can be used to reach other people. Yeah. Awesome. So for the listener who has, you know, produced, put time and effort into producing a piece of video content for maybe it's for promotional purposes, maybe it's for, mm -hmm. um, you know, for maybe it's a live video as well. Uh, whatever it is, they put time and effort into creating what you call a core piece of video content. And mm -hmm. obviously what many people would then do is publish it somewhere, whatever platform they intend to publish it on. And that's it, right? So then they just hope that it does the job. But what's wrong with that? What's missing from that? Well, 
it, it is great to be able to post that that one piece on whatever platform it is and it should be meant for there but if you've put so much time and so much effort into one piece of content why not be able to pull some of that out to get you greater use greater reach of the effort that you've put into this single piece of content because you may post you may do a facebook live or, or a video that goes up on facebook and, and it it gets its views for its period of time but then it's gone it sits there right maybe same on youtube you post a video up on youtube and you've got the evergreen opportunity there but but what if you've got other people on other platforms that never go to look for you on youtube or on facebook you know yeah. they may find you on some other platforms or maybe you want to grow your instagram you've got this valuable content sitting there. Why now take extra time to create separate content when you can make separate content straight from the content you've already made? Yeah, right. I mean, so many people, the biggest struggle when it comes to, to being consistent with video content is the, the feeling of that kind of, you're on this content hamster wheel that you, you have mm -hmm. to come up with a new video and, and create a new piece of content. And then once you produce that content, then it's like, ah, now I've got to do another piece of content and create a brand new piece of content. And that can be often the biggest hurdle to actually being consistent with video. But let me play right. devil's advocate here and, and say, well, why, why repurpose and not just repost? Why not just take that video and just, as it is, stick it up somewhere else? Well, you can, but what tends to then happen is that video was created for a particular platform in mind. So let's take a YouTube video. You may use certain calls to action in a YouTube video, like subscribe and uh, you know hit your bell icon and, and maybe some different terms that you would use there. Maybe you'd even have a graphic that comes up and shows those things. Well, those terms are not used on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook or Pinterest, wherever else that you're posting videos, right? Th those are terms that are used there. So once that's seen, it kind of takes, it, it can take the viewer out of it, right? Yeah. Some other videos also may do great on YouTube, but they're not content that people will watch on, let's say a Facebook or Instagram, but maybe you could pull a piece out of it or reformat with different calls to action. Doesn't mean you have to say like, oh, hi, you know, Instagram or whatever. You, you just can put in the right calls to action or remove the calls to action that were there. That is in a sense, reposting with a, a bit of repurposing for that particular platform. So explain this, like how, how you approach this, because, you know, are you saying that when you're producing your original core piece of content that you should be maybe shooting uh, different calls to action or different, um, different sections so that you can effectively repurpose it uh, on different platforms? Or are you simply just editing it or using graphics to get over that, to get around that? The most efficient way is to do that beforehand. So if you are shooting and you do have a plan of this video is going to go to YouTube, but it's also going to go to Instagram, then shooting a separate wrapping a wrap up or a separate call to action is very helpful because then you can create your core video, but then just output two different uh, two different videos so that it fits and it's formatted to the right sizing. You could do the right compression so that it looks great for that platform. Uh, you know, YouTube can be watched on a plethora of different ways. Instagram is primarily mobile. So you, you may need to produce it slightly different too, just because the majority of people are going to watch that on a mobile only device. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you could shoot it ahead of time, then that's 
absolutely preferable if you can add in those that separate it's like in fact a youtube video typically you have some kind of end card you're sending people to another video that's something that doesn't take place on these platforms so if you leave that in and you put it up as an igtv video it's this kind of awkward ending you know where it's like well you're not sending someone to a video and you're pointing and like here go watch this and click here it doesn't exist so if you could shoot maybe a separate wrap up now when you go to post it there but if you don't let's say you don't you you didn't do that it's perfectly fine i think in that sense to look at different graphics that you would put there yeah okay so can you talk us through maybe you know at least at a top level what the differences are in in the way that you would produce video natively for these different platforms the core platforms because you know, I think listeners to this podcast recognize that there is differences. Um, but from your perspective, when you're taking a core piece of video content and thinking, what are the key things I need to do to change this mm-hmm. or adapt it or repurpose it for Instagram, for LinkedIn, for Twitter, wherever? Take us, take us through it. Yeah. Well, it starts with what's your viewer's intention? How do they interact with these videos? How do they come to them, right? If you, I always like to look at YouTube as a core video, right? Because when people go to YouTube, they're looking for video, yeah. right? So that's a great core platform because you're, you're creating video for an audience that is pursuing video. So in that you, you want to create a video for people that are right. And there's some strategies of, Hey, you know, you want to hook people in, in those first few seconds. And that's kind of across all platforms, but with YouTube, there's some, a specific way that you can hook people in and create this, create this content to keep people watching throughout now. But the thing that brings people into that video are your thumbnail and your title. When it comes to Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, it's not a thumbnail. It's, it's the video they're going to be scrolling by. Is this mm-hmm. something that stands out enough for them to stop the scroll and watch? Right, that, that is very important in how you produce the video, how you edit the video, how you make it look, which is why video memes are so popular. That's where you have that like Gary Vee style title at the top, your captions at the bottom, maybe a little progress bar. I always like to have the progress bar, especially for Instagram where there's no, doesn't tell you how much time is left in the video. Uh, those things help to stand out in the feed. You put a title at the top that helps people get context to that video because you only have a minute in most parts, two minutes. You don't really want to put up too long of videos in those senses um, where on YouTube, you could put up a video as long as you want. If it's yeah. the right video for the right people, they'll watch. Uh, so having that in mind if before anything tends, that tends to be a really important thing to consider when you're producing these videos is how am I going to get people to stop the scroll if it's for social media um, and the thumbnail for YouTube where the video itself on YouTube doesn't need the bars and the text and the progress bar and all of that stuff. Um, You could use captions, but it doesn't have to be burned in like it would be for social media. Yeah. I think what's interesting and important to kind of recognize there is on on YouTube, really it's the thumbnail and the title that's going to get the click, you know, stop the scroll, get the click, right. Which is critical on YouTube, but that just doesn't have an impact at all on these social platforms with auto playing videos. So, you know, it's the, in meme style videos, it's the the headline and the opening seconds of footage that effectively do the same job of the title and the thumbnail. Right. So I think that you need to put that same focus on that, on that component as you do on YouTube with the, the effort you put into thumbnails and, and titles, right? Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think your 
and and the thing with YouTube too, you know, once people get the click, you got to pe- get pe- keep people watching, which yeah. is why that those first few minutes you want to reinforce your title and your thumbnail. Those first few seconds, I should say, sorry. But with social video, that hook, that few, first few seconds, is not necessarily what's being said, but it's the title or what visually are you showing, right? That's the the context that you're giving, which can save those few minutes. Where on YouTube. You know, you want to put in those few extra, I keep saying minutes and seconds, but those few extra seconds that you would put at the beginning of a YouTube, you don't need to do for a social video if you have some kind of text or visual that gives that context. That also saves you that time. So you're not putting out, you know, a 10 minute video. You could put out a two minute video because you're really showing this one core, you know, single point that you're making. The visuals then give that context. And I think that's what what makes the, the social platforms video really strong yeah awesome cool so we've we've kind of thought about how we're repurposing those opening seconds are there other things to consider as well you've kind of touched on on length on duration so youtube Mm -hmm. is obviously uh longer longer videos that can retain people longer is is good for youtube yeah that's not the case in social media so can you break us down and break down for us kind of how you maybe might cut a video down so that it suits these other Mm -hmm. platforms I think it's really important, again, to always think about where are your viewers, where are the people who are going to watch this, your followers, people are going to come across this on social media, where are they at and and what are they thinking so that you know best what kind of video to put in front of them. Doesn't mean that long video won't work for everybody, right? You've got to always test that it may work for the people who follow you. But if the majority of people who follow you are people who are busy, they're moving around and they're just kind of scrolling through their Facebook feed or LinkedIn feed or whatever, trying to find something to stop on, are they in that moment really going to sit and watch a longer video? For the most part on these social platforms, you want to have a shorter video that really drives home one point. If we're talking like, you know, some kind of informational video, entertainment videos do amazing on these kind of platforms. So if you do entertainment video, uh, something that's fun, bright, uplifting, those could, you can get away with being longer, um, and, and have that because it's more of a fun thing. You're stopping the scroll and you're getting people, getting people to watch there. But if you drive home that one strong point, now you've got an opportunity, a YouTube video, let's say it's eight minutes long and you've got like three points that you make each one of those points potentially can be their own social media video so you have point one if it's able to be exist without the context of the full video then you've got a separate social media piece i think that's important a lot of people think oh well i could just you know repurpose every single minute of a youtube video it's not always the case because it may need the context of the whole video but if you could pull out seg- segments that may not need that context or can fit a different context that you can now put out, uh, that's that's the opportunity with repurposing for social. You could put out three different videos in a week that are all one minute long. Yeah. Would you suggest then uh, if you are going down this plan to repurpose into multiple pieces of content when you're creating your core content to consider that in the structure of the core video? So kind of think... Mm-hmm how can this be broken up without needing the context of the rest of the video? Is that, is that a good strategy in your mind? Absolutely. I'll, I've, I've told my clients this too, where, you know, as we're preparing to, to put together their videos, when they're either shooting that main video or they're doing a live, if there's a point that you know, this is going to be a great video for my Instagram audience, build in a hook 
that would work for social media. That's a good start for that video. And it's, it's okay to be in that live. It's not like you're going to just like stop and like reset and do a whole thing. But if you can add in a soundbite, right? A sound bites are really important. How can you make this starting soundbite become what would be a hook for social media that only just keeps people watching longer on your core video? Now yeah. you've got this built-in process of, of doing that. It's where like Q and A's are great. If you do a video where you're answering a bunch of questions, I do this for one of my clients, Richard Moore, the, you know, we have question, you know, a question is asked and then it gives this answer and the answers can then become separate social media videos even though they work in the full context of the whole entire one hour video. Yeah. I like that. And also maybe it's the idea of like uh, the core video being multiple tips and you can break each of the tips up into uh, mm -hmm. different or steps, for example. Um, even just as you're talking there, I'm thinking if you're in a live and you were going more off the cuff, being conscious of, of the, what you're about to share and maybe trying to lead into it. And maybe by saying, you know, I've got a great story for you like maybe starting by that, that's a great hook for a video just by itself, right? Um, or you Absolutely. might say something, you might pause for a second and before you deliver a piece of value, like educate on something, you might pause for a moment and say, this is my number one tip when it comes to this, you know? And even though it's in the middle yeah. of a live, that then becomes a like, you know, really hooky start to a shorter extract. I love that. That's a really cool way to think about it. Um, so... We've talked about content. We've talked about, um, you know, the opening hook. What about when it comes to ratio or screen ratio or size of the frame? Uh, mm -hmm. I think people get overwhelmed and confused by this and different platforms allow different kind of sizes. Most cameras are shooting in widescreen or 16.9. So tell us about how you approach that when it comes to repurposing. Yeah. So it, it really depends on the look that you're going for. Uh, and, and where people are watching, obviously I always will default to the horizontal look, the, the, the natural way that you would see video. Um, and if you're shooting in a higher format, let's say a 4k or something, you can then crop in and take a vertical out. If you wanted to do, let's say IGTV and vertical, or you want to repurpose to Instagram stories, Facebook stories, YouTube stories, or whatever you want to pull out, you know, a vertical piece while well, having a, a bigger format like a 4k will give you the opportunity to pull something out without losing a ton of resolution but you can still do it even if you're not shooting in 4k and that's where some of these framings come in where you can build you could create a, a frame that would go around your video where your video could be in the middle uh if but that does create your actual video to be a little smaller so you might want to shoot a little tighter you know meaning getting a little closer up in the video so you don't feel so kind of small if you're shooting in a really big wide shot uh, and you're kind of tiny all the way in the middle there. Um, but in that sense, you can kind of afford to scale in a bit on the video so that, you know, you could see that. People I think are used to on social media seeing video that isn't necessarily the best quality. And sometimes those do better when they're kind of raw and rough on social media because it doesn't feel so produced. It feels real in the moment. Um, but yeah, you, you really should consider, you know, where you're going to shoot, you know, or where you're going to post this. And if you do want it vertical for IGTV uh, or, uh, or what, I think you could turn IGTV now horizontal. It's just, are people doing it or not? How do you want it to stand out in the feed? Those are some of the things you have to consider. 
Yeah. So when it comes to aspect ratios, I think people get a bit confused as well because, um, you know, the a common format is square or one mm-hmm. by one kind of square aspect ratio. And that's common across quite a few of the platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, feed, uh, Facebook. But then also Facebook recommends uh, kind of portrait mode as well, which is a four by five, um, mm-hmm. five by four, four by five. Anyway, it's basically not your full vertical video, so not your 9 by 16. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you're not getting too technical, but I'm sure people are following this here. Um, And many people are thinking that to create Facebook video natively, they should be in that 4 by 5 ratio. So Mm -hmm. do you go for 1 by 1 square or do you go for portrait when you're repurposing for Facebook? It really depends on, on what you're looking for. Both work. The, the reason people like to go with what it, with that recommendation, which is 1080 by 1350, uh, that, that would be the, the sizing there on that, that like, I like to call it semi-vertical because sometimes you say yeah. vertical, it's like this full, you know, the full uh, uh, 1080, 1920. Um, that's the good part about that is if you are looking at watching on mobile, which is where the majority of people are on these, the social platforms, it takes up more of the screen. That's simply yeah. it. So you could do square and it'd be completely fine. In fact, some of my clients, they just prefer square because you know what? It works everywhere. We don't have to worry about weird sizing on some things. And it just it just kind of fits. Square, I think, makes it easy for some people. But if you want to be able to have something that has a little bit, potentially a little bit more effective to stop the scroll, then you kind of, you go with that, with that vertical there of, uh, you know, the, the 1080 by 1350 size. Um, so, to, to, to get that little bit of a chance of standing out a little more. So I'm, um, I'm not entirely sure on this, and maybe you can kind of clear it up for me, but if you do go with a 4 by 5 you know, almost vertical, um, as we say, mm-hmm. um, 1080 by 1350 there, on the desktop on Facebook, that's going to put some little bars on the side, yeah. right? Isn't it? it's, That's the way it shows? Yeah. And that's what I don't like about it. And that's where it really, you really have to kind of learn where your audience, the majority of your audience is watching. It's not always the easiest thing, but if you know, well, the majority of people are watching on mobile, that could be a poll that you put out too, that maybe tells you that if the majority are watching on desktop, maybe it's some kind of what you're doing. Most people are at a desk. Then maybe you want to go with the, the square just so you don't have these weird bars that get added and you kind of look slim like the video looks too slim yeah. uh compared to what it normally would uh and with the square it's still you know nice and flat it's really just you know do you prioritize mobile or do you prioritize uh desktop view and really it comes down to where's the majority of your people that that you're looking to connect with where are they? If they're not really on desktop that much, then it doesn't really matter. It might just be a preference that you kind of feel weird when you're seeing it on there. But if the majority of people are desktop, I, you might not want to do that that vertical just because it does it, it is smaller and it may not stand out as much in a, on a desktop view. Yeah, I think that's um, really important. What you're saying there is really understand your audience and where yeah. where you want to show up for them and where they want you to show up for them. In fact. Um, I think yeah. that's, that's critical. So hopefully that, that didn't overwhelm people too much getting into those <laughs> ratios and, and, uh, and things like that. But um, I think that's an important conversation to have because I see many mm-hmm. people just getting confused and overwhelmed by the options there. Um, let's talk about yeah. Instagram TV specifically because I think it's something that's still underutilized by, by many people. And it, Instagram are putting a lot of focus on Instagram TV and changing things um, regularly as well. So 
particularly over the recent times where as they've introduced the ability to upload an Instagram TV video and then to show the first part or the teaser section of that video yes. in the feed. And it used to be the first 60 seconds that was um, displayed in the feed. They've recently changed that to 15 seconds. I think that's what you're seeing too, Dan, um, which I yeah. think is really interesting because I think that gives you less time to watch an Instagram TV video in the uh, in the feed before it kind of pushes you through to keep watching on IGTV. So clearly they're trying to drive people more quickly over into the IGTV yeah. platform. So what are your thoughts on that and how do you then maybe try and make the most of that first 15 seconds? Yeah, so that's the that's the struggle that IGTV has had since the beginning. And I feel like they've just not been able to really get a strong grasp on, on figuring out how users are, are, are watching this. Once the, before they had that opportunity to see that teaser in the feed, I don't think anyone was watching IGTV. I know even just my own behavior. And I think it's all good for all of us to audit our own behavior. Uh, Because when you notice the things that you do or you don't do, and then you wonder why no one else is, watching your thing or watching your video, you have to understand, look, am I actually watching other people's stuff besides my own? Um, and then look at the ones that are successfully taking you from watching that, you know, 60 seconds or 15 seconds in the Instagram feed to switching over to IGTV. What are the things that are getting you to actually click that button to watch, to continue watching? I think this is where storytelling, effective storytelling and effective hooking is going to become so, it is so important to get people over there. I've noticed with a lot, any IGTVs I've put up, there is this huge drop off uh, uh, in the retention graphs uh, when it hits that that moment of someone having to decide to click, right? Because they're kind of just going through and they want to do that. It's so then critical to make sure that you've got either a strong story or strong region or strong visual for someone to continue watching. So it does play into how you edit that. So even if you are repurposing, it may mean pulling something from a later part in the video that's just so like, oh man, I, I got to see what that was all about, right? And maybe you time it to be at, you know, 14 or 13 seconds to kind of switch off to go, you know, back to the start of it, you know? Yeah. So maybe you have like a 10 second hook there of something from later in the video or a 10 second hook where you're explaining something that really grabs their attention also with the visuals with some kind of text or some kind of imagery or b-roll that's going to send people over it's really critical and it's and it's critical to experiment and and test to see what your audience is more willing to click off on because every audience is different every every single video every single channel every single uh you know social platform is there's no cookie cutter way that works for everybody it depends on your audience and the kind of content that you're putting out and seeing what they actually switch off on. And that's why I say, start looking out at what's already working, what's grabbing your attention, even if it's a different niche, what's, what about it grabbed your attention? Not necessarily the, the content, but what about how they formatted that grabbed your attention to uh, keep you going, to actually get you to click and go and watch. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll describe to you, and I don't know if you've seen this one, but uh, one that really caught my eye recently, and obviously Gary V and his team, you know, they are they are on the ball with this stuff. So it was a Gary V video that came up in Instagram, and uh, basically that first 15 seconds um, was created in that um, 
in that four by five kind of ratio that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Um, so formatted with headline text and, you know, caption, burnt in captions down the bottom, but just the first 15 seconds. And uh, basically it was taken, like, just to describe this video, it was, uh, he, he was, Gary was kind of with some magicians or something and like the magic trick was being done and Gary was blown away by the, this magic trick. And so they cut in this like Gary's reaction to basically being fooled by this magic trick. Um, you know, typical Gary V style stuff. So it really hooked you in and you, yeah. and then you're like, oh, I want to see this trick. I want to see this magic trick. When it got to 15 seconds, it paused in the feed because then you had to click to continue watching in IGTV. And then the first, like the 16th second was a little animation which said, rotate your phone into horizontal mode. So they've edited into that video at 16 seconds, a reminder that to keep watching this now that you're on IGTV, you need to rotate your phone. And then the edit became a full 16 by nine widescreen edit. Um, Because obviously it was more engaging and they know that now that you're on IGTV, you're in the video watching mindset. You know, you've enabled sound, you can follow along, then you can watch the rest of this two, three minute video. And the section that they used in that opening 15 seconds was actually from the last trick that was done in this video, the last magic trick. So you didn't actually get the reveal of what that was that hooked you in until you'd watched to the end. And if you follow me there, that's, I mean, that's gold. Like that is absolutely controlling every second of the viewer's behavior and doing so in a masterful way, I feel. 100% 100% and that, yeah. that's what that's what goes into that right and, and Gary mm. V is one of those masters and his team is a master of repurposing stuff creating stuff but the key here the key really about that though is I think people get easily overwhelmed because you feel like you have to be on every platform you feel like you got to be doing this everywhere and then you, you think about Gary V <laughs> right and you think like oh like, okay so I've got this YouTube video and I can repurpose it 70 you know different ways and I need to do that if I'm going to repurpose it needs to be everywhere and so I got to do the Facebook thing and the Instagram thing and now I got to make it look the right thing for Instagram and the right thing for LinkedIn and all you don't need that if you've got a team that can do it the way I, I, I say this and I've said this too to, to some others that have been coaching like you pick the platforms that you actually want to build and grow and act, and then go in and, and be effective with your repurposing, which means if you've got content already going up on YouTube, but your next platform you want to grow is Instagram, then repurpose it, but repurpose it for Instagram. All right. You got to do, you want to do it effectively. Don't worry about having to, you know, pull out these segments and post them everywhere. That's only going to overwhelm you. And a lot of times it's really still the same people following you that are going to see that. You're not in a lot of these social platforms. You're not, it doesn't have that much of an engine to, to reach more people until you get like a viral style video. And that, that word's kind of overused anyway. But if you look at it and say, I want to grow another platform, how can I repurpose effectively these things out of here? So then doing that kind of research on, well, how can I re-edit this video? Or how can I take a, a segment of this video to work on Instagram? Because yeah. you could overwhelm yourself with repurposing all day long and it does nothing for you. But if you repurpose it effectively and you do it right with the idea of, I want to grow this platform, I want to grow my LinkedIn. So how am I going to repurpose there? If you look at Gary Vee's stuff, his content, although most of it's the same everywhere, there is a difference in the content itself on Instagram and on LinkedIn because he knows his audience on Instagram will likely tend to be a bit younger, a little edgier. So you're going to see a lot more 
stuff about parents and, you know, younger entrepreneurs where LinkedIn, you'll still see that stuff, but it's a little cleaner verbally, you know, with the words and tend to be a little bit more business or higher level stuff because they know this is what this audience over here is going to um, connect with. And you're not going to see the little like turn your phone horizontally and, and it's probably going to be more square uh, video there. You, you want to be effective and understand the platforms you're posting to and don't feel like you get have to repurpose everywhere. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's a really good point that you make. And for listeners of this podcast, they know my, my passion for being strategic about what you're doing with video. And that's exactly what you're talking about is have a strategy, really understand why yeah. you're doing it, not just trying to be everywhere, not just trying to copy what other people are doing, um, but really understand why you're doing what you're doing and how that's actually providing a better experience for your audience or better results for your business and all of the above. So I'm keen to explore with you if you can share, like obviously if you've got a team of editors or you're a video editor yourself, you can do this stuff fairly easily. But for people that maybe don't have that capability within their team, what are some options to actually easily repurpose video content, whether it be using tools that are available or how can they find the right teams to help them? What recommendations would you give to people? Yeah, there, it, there's so many resources out there. There's a lot of different tools. There's a lot of different uh, websites that have these things where, you know, you could get uh, frames, you, you get these kind of, you know, put your video up and you get these frames made uh, or, or burn in captions. I think one, just off the top of my head, I, I don't use them. I create all of ours uh, in Premiere Pro and our editors do that as well. Um, but with with some of the simpler options, I think it's Headline, Headliner, I think is one mm -hmm. of those, one yeah. of those kinds of apps that you could put out. And then there's other services that are out there that just, you, you can get a templated look and then they'll edit it and, uh, and put it out there for you. You know, if you've got, you know, there's, I always say that there's a couple of different uh, levels of editors you can get, you know, your niece or nephew who does, you know, TikTok videos, they might be able to edit these things for you and they could take your video and, and do that pretty quickly. And that's, that tends to be a cheap option. If it'll be done well or not, you know, that's always up in the air. You get what you pay for in a sense. Um, but, you know, those are some of the simpler ways of, hey, I just need to get some of these done. Who do I know? Um, you can find editors on Fiverr. Uh, you know, these other ones, but that can tend to be, to be pretty expensive. Um, and that is something that I, I offer as well. That is one of the things I do with my clients and, and I have editors that help be able to create these things and, and uh, uh, repurpose and, and re-edit uh, into separate social media content. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really important thing that you mentioned there is around the idea of there are plenty of ways that you can get this done. And, um, in a moment, I'll get you to shout out how they can use your services as well, Dan. But um, you know, I think the critical thing for, for a business owner, for an entrepreneur, for a marketer out there, from this conversation today, I want you to just take the time to really understand this whole idea of repurposing. You know, you don't need to know how to do it, like what buttons to click and how to use a video editing software to actually do what you want to do. I think you can find people that can do that for you. But critically... Most video editors that you'll hire aren't video strategists, aren't video marketers, mm -hmm. although I think they should be. That's a whole other conversation. Yep. But <laughs> um, but I, I think your role as a marketer, your role as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, is to understand 
how to guide that video editor to create the content that you need. You don't need to know how to do yes. it, but you need to know why you're doing it. So, you know, I think everything that you've shared for us here today, Dan, is is going to help people get off on the right foot there. So, you know, I appreciate you for coming on and sharing your insight on that. And, yeah. And just to wrap up, can you share with people just a, a little bit more about, you know, what you actually do and maybe how people can reach out and get you to help them out if that's something that makes sense for them? Sure, absolutely. Uh, and actually, I just want to mention something quick as we uh, as we talk about that. A lot of people think about an editor and they go, they just want to hand off a video and just go be creative, yeah. right? Just just go and do it. Go go do this for me, right? Like, and and don't give any direction. That is not the that is not a good way to work with an editor, right? It, it, that that is how you work with the producer, and that that is how you work with someone who can build that strategy. It is far better. And a lot of people end up getting burned by editors when they do that, or they have terrible experiences when they work with an editor doing that. The more that you could come into it, and this does put a lot of extra work in the beginning, because a lot of people are like, I want to work with an editor so I don't have to do this anymore. But if you put things up front and you have that strategy going in, look, I want this video. I need this part pulled out. This is how I want it to look. Um, And this is how I want a call to action to be inside there. Um, the more specific you could be, the easier it is to work with an editor and your editor can actually deliver what you're looking for. I think that is so important. And that's, that's what I end up, you know, ended up doing now for, for different uh, clients, different people in different ways is you want to be able to work with an editor <laughs> and either work with someone who knows what they're doing and how to repurpose and how to do that strategy, or you be very specific with what you're looking for. Um, and, and that's what I do with, uh, with a number of editors and, uh, and myself to be able to help uh, other people repurpose their content successfully. Love it. Excellent. And where can people find you and reach out to you and connect with you further, mm-hmm. Dan? Well, I actually have a guide repurposevideo.com. That's a, it's just a, a small, simple PDF guide on how to repurpose your, your video there, but you can get it in touch with me at danielpatricknorton.com or reach out to me on Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, those are pretty uh, easy platforms. Just shoot me a message at Daniel Patrick Norton on Instagram. Um, and I believe it's the same on LinkedIn or Dan Norton. Uh, it's kind of all over the place that you'll find me at one of those things. If you look up repurposing video, uh, and doing that. So feel free to reach out. We'd love to have a conversation with you if you need help with that. Um, and I'm also working with video editors to help video editors understand how to work with marketers and work with creators in that sense. So I'm helping coach video editors to do this as well. Awesome. Dan Norton, thanks for coming on and sharing your insights today. I uh, really appreciate it. And guys, we will have the all the links that Dan mentioned there in the show notes for this episode at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 157. Dan, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Ben. All right, massive thanks to Dan for joining me on the show. As I said, you can get all the links to everything that Dan's got going on and maybe reach out to him to get him to help you do what you need to do with your video content. Find those links over at engagevideomarketing.com slash episode 157. And let me kindly ask you once again, if you haven't yet left a rating and a review for this podcast on your podcast player, particularly Apple iTunes or what do we call it now? Apple Podcasts. That's right. You can head on over and do that right now. I'd seriously appreciate that. Every rating and review for this show helps it reach more people. And that's exactly why I create this show every single week for you guys, because I want to reach more people and help more people become better video marketers. That is my mission and that is why I am here for you. 
And as always, reach out to me anytime. I love to connect with you guys. So email podcast at engagevideomarketing.com. And I will see you next time for another episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. It's really raining here right now. Can you hear that? (laughs) Anyway, see you next time. Bye for now.